All right. <clears throat> All right, keep your Bibles open to this text here. And we will extend the text all the way down to verse 26 as we go. Let's bow our heads one, one, one more time before we uh, break the word. Father God, your people are here, and we're all ready for word coming from you. We are thirsty for you. We are hungry for you. Come to us in Jesus' name. Amen. You've probably heard the song, The Winner Takes It All. It's an old one. Um, some songs are so old, they're, they, they're, they're new. Success is something that is often drilled into us by society, and it's drilled into us even within our family at home. It's drilled into us at school, at work, in print, and, in, and through all the, the various media uh, we see around us. And our language itself is laced with phrases and idioms that, uh, you know, that, that tell us how much we value success. For example, here are a few uh, that I've gathered. Um, we have recipes for success. And we have keys to success. And we want to hit a home run, which is another you know, phrase for those that really make it big and become successful in life. And we want to become an overnight success. Uh, we want to be home free. Uh, we want to bring home the bacon. There are so many other phrases that we could think of that tells us, that, you know, how much we value success in our society. We want to become a roaring success. You've probably heard of that. And we even dress up for success. And play the part. We want success in the bag. We, save, we savor the sweet smell of success. And we want to make a killing. And we want to come off with flying colors. We want to have the world at our feet. We want to ride the crest of the wave. And we want to ride high. And we want to become a big fish. We even jump on a bandwagon. And we even want to strike gold. We want to end up where the streets are paved with gold. And we want to flourish like a green bay tree. Have you ever seen a green bay tree? That's new to me. That, that phrase is new to me. And we, and we want to have it made. We like to remind ourselves that success, and here's, here's a quote that I got um, it's, it's, it says that, you know, we, success depends on our backbone and not our wishbone. Have you heard of that? And all along the way, we like to say, we did it our way. All the accolades seem to go to those who win the Super Bowl. And Super Bowl is coming up really fast. Too bad my team is never in the Super Bowl. Maybe yours, but never mine. And we know, you know, I have quite a few books written by successful coaches. Tony Dungy, uh, Urban Meyer, teaching us about success, about their, you know, their, the keys to success and what have you. Um, 
winners do tend to get the book deals. And whoever read, whoever's read a book on success written by the losing coach or the losing quarterback, for that matter. In a world primed for success, the winners do take it all. They do bring home the bacon. They get all the blessings. And um, they get to write about their recipes for success. They get to tell us about their keys to success. And they get to bring home the bacon. They get to save, savor the sweet smell of success. The world runs after them. And the blessings belong to them. And the birthrights besides. At least it seems like that to the rest of us who never quite make it all the way to the top and who are not roaring successes ourselves. And the world doesn't take too kindly either to those who fail. It's just reading an article. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, um, um, uh, the uh, Winter Olympics are on. And, you know, the stories are as much, have as much to do with uh, those that win the gold as those that crash out. And one of them, uh, poor, uh, you know, a 26-year-old um, skier, had NBC train in on her for 45 minutes, telling the whole world what it must feel like to crash out. Ouch. And it begs the question that since a lot of us don't even make it all the way to the top, it begs the question, is there a blessing left for you and me in a world that is so primed for success? Is there a blessing left for those who don't make it all the way to the top, who are not a roaring success, who don't bake, who, 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 who bring home only half the bacon? who don't get to write the, book, the, the books that tell us what it's like to be up there. It is tempting to see the words of Jesus, especially the Beatitudes, which follow after the, text, the, the verses that were read to us by Katie today. It is tempting to see the Beatitudes as Jesus' consolation prices to those people that never made it to the top. Jesus' outrageous pronouncements to his ragtag followers who missed out on the world's accolades, on the world's blessings, for whom blessings would never be in the cards and have never been in the cards. So Jesus makes them, makes us feel good about ourselves by giving us these empty rhetoric called the Beatitudes. And this is what it seems like, to some anyway, what we might find in the Beatitudes. And there are two places we find the Beatitudes. One of them uh, is, in, is in Luke. The one that's most familiar to us is the one found in Matthew. Those are very beautifully, beautifully written down for all of us. Worth our while to memorize and to meditate over. But today we're in Luke chapter 6, and in verses 20 to 23, we find four of those Beatitudes that Jesus pronounces to his disciples and to those that are willing, to anyone that's willing to listen. And here's what they say. And he says, 
Verse 20, And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of, of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. It is very tempting to see the, the Beatitudes as consolation blessings, as rhetoric for those who never, who never get to see blessings otherwise, who the world never follows and the world never notices or notice. Jesus' pronouncement of blessings can be construed or misconstrued to be just these consolation blessings, except except for what Jesus says next. For as we look a few uh, to the next verse, verse um, we, we see Jesus, and this is the only place we find this, by the way, in Luke, in Luke chapter 6. Uh, Matthew does not even take us to these uh, pronouncements of woes. For every, every beatitude uttered by Jesus Christ here in this text, and there are four of them, there are four corresponding woes. No, Jesus says, those who have made it, made it to the top, they are not the ones who, they are, or they are the ones who actually get the consolation prize. Because here's what Luke 6, verses 24 and 26 through 26 say to us. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. I mean, Jesus Christ does not mince words. No, the Beatitudes are not Jesus' consolation blessings for those who would never get one otherwise. The Beatitudes, along with the corresponding woes, announce, in fact, the arrival of something more radical in life. The arrival of something new and radically different from what the world understands and what the world believes. The Beatitudes and the woes together signal the arrival of the kingdom of God. Where you live, where you work, where you play, It arrives, the arrival of God's kingdom with the ministry of Jesus Christ, where the values of this world are turned upside down. And the values of this world are confronted and defeated by those who go without the world's blessings. Those who love God 
and those who love others besides, who often find themselves in the fringes of society, who often go unnoticed, who don't make it quite all the way to the top, who don't have the world following after them, who often go, you know, harassed and oppressed, who often go with all of their um, struggles, questioning even their own faith and faithfulness to God. Of course, it is not as though Jesus hates those who succeed in this world. This, this is not what the Beatitudes are all about. Or that he prefers losers. The message here is, the message of the Beatitudes and the rules here in Luke and every, uh, elsewhere in, in Scripture in the New Testament, it's not that God wants all of us to be losers or that God does not want us to succeed. The message um, is not that he prefers us or failures over, you know, the overachievers. That he prefers losers and failures and underachievers. No, that's not the message here. What Jesus is saying, however, is that in God's world, in God's kingdom, which has been here for quite some time, at least in parts, at least to the extent that we are listening to the word of God and to the extent that we're listening to the words of Jesus Christ and to the extent that we are living our lives according to the values that Jesus has enunciated for quite some time now and it's found in Scripture, in our Scripture. What he's saying is that in God's world, in his kingdom that is now in our hearts and in our midst here, there's something far more valuable than wealth and success. And that while we ought to never think of ourselves as underachievers, that, but we don't live our lives with our prime values being success and being wealth themselves. And that this value, this otherworldly value or this countercultural value is the value of faithfulness to God at whatever cost, to you today. It is called faithfulness, which Scripture actually boils down to one word, and that word is love. Love to God and love to neighbor as ourselves. The two greatest commandments in Scripture, loving God and loving others. And this kingdom, as I said, exists here and now in this world. Yes, there will come a time when the kingdom that has been ushered in through the life and the ministry, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, when he comes again the second time, yes, the promise is that, that all things will be new and finally the, the, the kingdom that was started then will become a full reality everywhere. In the meantime, here we are, you and me. We get to be the kingdom that the world knows. And this kingdom exists wherever we live our lives according to the values that Jesus Christ pronounces in the Gospels and in Scripture. It exists among God's people. It exists here at this church. When you come to church on every Sabbath, there is, as I said to you at the beginning of our worship today, there is a rhyme and reason when we put those three you know, uh, phrases as our, you know, the, 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 the three big rocks in this process of, of, of um, 
discipleship for our, for our church, when we say we gather, that is the starting point of everything that we do together, we gather, we grow in relationship with each other and with the Lord, and we glow. We glow in witness. We glow in service. We always come together as God's people in order to experience the fullness of the gospel and the fullness of the kingdom together. And when we are absent from one another, the rest of us, all of us, suffer together. And so when you hear your pastor, you know, uh, uh, repeatedly reminding all of you, all of us, come and worship, it is because it is here that we experience the fullness of the kingdom of God and where we launch into the world and grow and glow for Jesus Christ. Because the kingdom exists wherever they come, we come together. It exists whenever we worship. It exists whenever we come together. It exists whenever we serve others for the Lord. You know, from time to time, we hear something wise and godly from someone, from people who have actually made it to the top. So, you know, Jesus Christ is not saying to us that, you know, I don't want you to be rich. I don't want you to make your, your million dollars. Thank God for those people that do. Where would we be if we don't have faithful millionaires giving back to the Lord? From time to time, we hear something good about the, you know, from, from those people that have struck it big, that have made it big, that have brought home the bacon, and still are living the kingdom values that Jesus Christ wants them to live. Yes, because the Beatitudes are not just for the poor. They're for the rich as well. And for the successful. That is, if they listen to Jesus' words, and take it to heart. Well, one billionaire, that is, in fact, one multi-billionaire seems to have taken it to heart. You may know who he is. I don't know if you rub shoulders with him. I don't. Warren Buffett, arguably the world's greatest investor, never mind his politics, seems to take Jesus' words to heart. In an autobiography or in a biography book written about Buffett titled The Snowball, Warren Buffett and the Business of Life. The author of that book, Alice Schroeder, writes about a time when Warren Buffett gave a presentation at the University of Georgia and, and the students there at that university asked Warren Buffett what his definition of success is. And Warren Buffett's answer reveals that at least Jesus' Beatitudes, that not only the poor get the Beatitudes, the rich get it too sometimes. If they're listening as well. Because Buffett answers in this way. He says, when you're nearing the end of your life, your only measure of success should be the number of people you want to have love you actually do love you. And then he continues, I know people who have a lot of money and they get testimonial dinners and they get hospital wings named after them. But the truth is that nobody in the world loves them. 
If you get to be my age in life and nobody thinks well of you, he says, I don't care how big your bank account is. Your life is a disaster. And then he continues, the problem with love is that it's not for sale. The only way to get love is to be lovable. It's very irritating if you have a lot of money, he says. You'd like to think you could write a check. I wish I had a million dollars to give. I'll buy a million dollars worth of love, but it doesn't work that way. The more you give love away, the more you get it back. To Warren Buffett, the amount of love you give and receive from others, not the amount of wealth you've accumulated for yourself, is the ultimate measure of success in life. And I say, close enough to what Jesus says. Close enough. And I want to say with all my heart that the kingdom is not too far away from Warren Buffett if this is indeed how he, what he believes and how he runs his life. The kingdom of God is not far away from the likes of him because the Beatitudes are never just for the poor. It's for everyone that cares to listen. Even the rich and the successful in the world. Even the likes of, 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 of Buffett and whoever else out there. Are we listening to what Jesus is telling us in the Beatitudes and the woes? Jesus cares less for success as he does for faithfulness. And when you are faithful to him and you love him with all your soul, your mind, body, soul, heart, and strength, and you love others, your neighbors as yourself, if you're faithful in that way, the promise to you is that God will add the rest. God will add the rest to you and make you a success himself. He will make you a success in his own way. It doesn't matter if you struggle even with faithfulness itself. It doesn't matter how much of it you're able to muster. Jesus cares less for success as he does for faithfulness. And this is what he tells us in the Beatitudes. The kingdom of God belongs to you who are faithful and are struggling with daily life. The, there is a blessing for you. And the blessing is not a consolation blessing. The blessing is the truest blessing there is in life. When you seek after God and you make God the priority of your life, the other things that you aim for will be added to you as well. Yes, the kingdom of God belongs to you. And to those of us who have already made it to the kingdom, who have already and are already taking to heart the message of the Beatitudes and the woes, we can afford to be compassionate to those who are struggling as well. We can afford to tell them even if you're struggling to be faithful, there is a blessing for you in the kingdom of God. There's a blessing to those who fail, to those who get passed by, to those who go unnoticed, to those who suffer in the corner alone. And you are the voices that tell them that. 
we are the voices for this gigantic reversal, as the scholars call this, reversal of things in this world where down is up and up has become down. There are a lot of people that are in need to hear the Beatitudes, and we are the ones to say it to them. There's a pastor. His name is uh, Pastor Nadia Bowles-Weber, who um, put together a what's called a, uh, probably you could call this like a blessing riff. Have you ever heard of a, you know, like a guitar riff? I have a few favorite guitar riffs. Well, she created a, uh, a blessing riff, and she based it out of, uh, she based it out of uh, the Beatitudes. And um, I want to quote a few of those. It's quite lengthy. She's addressing those in the peripheries of life who are slowly walking away from the faith. And you know, COVID has revealed the weaknesses of the church. And that a recent survey conducted by, I believe it was, if I'm not mistaken, either one of two entities, I think it may have been Barna Group, either that or uh, Gallup, that says that over 50% of those who are 20 and up in the church that left the church during COVID or at the start of COVID are not planning on coming back. That is very distressing. Can we bring it can we bring ourselves to tell them that there's a blessing for them as well? That there's a blessing waiting for them in the kingdom of God. And to tell them not to walk away. Or if they have walked away, to tell them to come back. There's a blessing for them in the kingdom of God when the kingdom comes. And it is here. And so she pronounces these blessing, this blessing riff. And I want to end with these today. The title of it is, uh, you know, is Blessed Are the Agnostics. So she says, Blessed are the agnostics. Blessed are they who doubt those who aren't sure, who can still be surprised. Blessed are they who are spiritually impoverished and therefore not so certain about everything that they no longer take in new information. Blessed are those who have nothing to offer. Blessed are the preschoolers who cut in line at, at communion. Do we have any of those? Blessed are you. Better in front of the line than not in line at all. Blessed are the poor in spirit, you are of heaven, and Jesus blesses you. Blessed are they for whom death is not an abstraction, who face death every day. Blessed are they who have buried their loved ones, for whom tears could fill an ocean. Blessed are they who have loved enough to know what loss feels like. Blessed are the mothers of the miscarried, 
Blessed are they who don't have the luxury of taking things for granted anymore. Blessed are they who can't fall apart because they have to keep it together for everyone else. Are you one of those? Blessed are you. There's a blessing for you as well. Blessed are they. Blessed are those who, are, who still aren't over it yet. Blessed are those who mourn. You are of heaven, and Jesus blesses you. Blessed are those who no one else notices. The kids who sit alone at middle school lunch tables, blessed are you. The laundry guys at the hospital, blessed are you. The sex workers and the night shift street sweepers, blessed are you. Blessed are the forgotten, blessed are the closeted, blessed are the unemployed, the unimpressive, the underappreciated. Blessed are the teens who have to figure out ways to hide the new cuts on their arms. Blessed are the meek. You are of heaven, and Jesus blesses you. Can we bring ourselves to say these things to people? And to invite them into the kingdom of God that is already here among us. Because the kingdom is for you. The kingdom is for you. And the kingdom has come to you. Blessed are you who make your own blessing riffs so others can be blessed by the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who reach out to others with the love of God. Would you bow our, let's bow our heads together as we pray. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn you, your name is evil on account of the Son of Man. These are the words of our Lord. There is a blessing for all of you who are in this kingdom now. In Jesus' name, amen.